Today's Brit Happens guest is one of the most prominent figures in music and pop culture. The legendary Grammy and Billboard award-winning rapper, songwriter, frontman of one of my favorite rap groups, a fire record producer, and an insanely talented international DJ, Jonathan Smith, a.k.a. Lil Jon. He's crafted groundbreaking hits for artists including Ice Cube, Usher, Pitbull, Nas, Jadakiss, Mob Deep, and the list goes on. To say that this is an impressive career is a grave understatement. Tune in as we discuss what motivates John to keep going in this cutthroat business, how the industry has changed in light of COVID-19, what it's really like DJing online, his versus battle with T-Pain, the true origination of crunk music, his philanthropic work in the community, upcoming projects with Luda and Usher, and he even helped me pick out my very first diamond-encrusted grill. I so much enjoyed our conversation, learned a lot, and I truly hope that you do too. Let's face it, Brit happens. Success is rarely a straight line. It's a journey with many twists, turns, potholes, and unwelcome detours. The secret, however, lies in how we react. Keep listening to learn how to effectively respond to life's curveballs, improve your resilience, and how winners pivot from setbacks to success. I'm your host, Brittany Sharpton. Let's get started. Thank you so much for joining us. It's all good. It's all good. So before we get into this, John, can you tell us, I see you have a Wilson's tennis racket. Yeah. In the middle of the Rona. Are you trying to get rid of the virus? What's what's up with that? No, I mean, I used to, I used to play in, uh, when I was younger and stuff, I was really into tennis, like super, super, super heavy into tennis. And uh, me and my family actually used to play a little bit. So I pulled my racket out and I, I actually, uh, about a year ago, I bought, I bought a little, uh, it's like basically like a tennis ball on a string. So I could kind of get some volleys going at home. So I've been playing a little bit, trying to get some volleys going, getting a little exercise because tennis is such a great form of cardio because you're mm-hmm. running constantly and you're constantly moving. Right. So, um, yeah, I kind of added it back into my rotation of sizes. So trying to get get a little bit of game in as much as I can. I don't, I don't know why I'm holding this today. <laughs> I love it. I picked it up and I couldn't put it back down. I, you know, so. <laughs> so I read somewhere. Are you still on your high protein lifestyle or no? Uh, I mean, I'm not on a high protein. I'm just like I do uh, intermittent fasting though. Okay. I've been on that for about eight months, nine months, and that's just the way I eat now. I don't eat breakfast. I just eat in the afternoons, and I stop eating by like ten ten o'clock at night. Um, so, like, no, nah, I'm not doing no high protein and none of that high fat and all of that crap. I'm just, I eat kind of really, I can eat what I want right now. You know what I mean? I burn so much when I'm not. The thing about intermittent fasting, when you're not eating, you're burning fat constantly. So, right. Yeah, I, but I pretty much eat healthy. I haven't, it was, it's funny, I was actually just telling someone that since quarantine, since I've been home, I've been literally cooking every day or, you know, every two days. So for the last three and a half months, I've been cooking like a lot. So we haven't ordered takeout here in this household. Not one time. We only thing I order is groceries. I order my groceries and that's it. 
but we cooking everything. I'm cooking. Well, I'm cooking. I'm the only cook in the house. So, yeah, I've been cooking. I didn't know you were a chef, too. I mean, all Southern men know how to cook. Okay. All. I need to move to Atlanta. Yeah. Mama, I guess mama and aunties taught us how to cook when we were young, but I don't know no dude. All the dudes I know know how to cook. That's from Atlanta. Clearly, I need another circle, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> <laughs> we're in the midst of COVID-19 and coronavirus, although Florida and Georgia are having little steps of trying to partially reopen. Right. And every industry across the globe has been affected. So I was curious how the music and entertainment industry has been affected in your project specifically. Uh, well, I mean, I was, you know, doing mostly DJ gigs. I was, I had got, I'm got, I got back into producing. I've been producing a lot lately. I actually in February went in the studio and me and my guy, DJ Chronic, uh, we just hammered out like 80 something tracks. So wow. before this hit, I didn't even know this was coming, but we just went in and just banged out a bunch of music. So I had did a bunch of music. I got that ready and I'm slowly getting those out there. But uh, I was touring, you know, I was Vegas every week um, and just all over the world. And actually when, when it started, when it started to really, you know, really, really impact us, um, it was spring break, you know, the, I did the first week of spring break and then that following weekend I was supposed to be like out doing more spring break gigs and it's, it was done, you know, they start canceling everything. So it's definitely impacted me in a major way, but um, a lot of other things happened because of it, because, you know, you, you, we as a people, we kind of, adapt to what's going on so exactly doing a lot of on DJing online you know so that's going really well for me um, my DJ sets are like really exploding um, and then of course the, the versus battle and then out of the versus battle you know we released the track sex beat that probably would have never I don't know when it would have come out <laughs> you know song is three years old and Usher, Usher just been you know he's he's still working on his album who knows when that's going to finish um, but because of all of this stuff that's going on, yeah, I did the verses and I was able to play that track and people loved it and we released it. And I had no idea it was three years old. So there's silver lining to something that could be negative. You've turned this around. And Well, I, the way I go through life in general is every negative situation, you can pull some positivity from. It. So if you look at life in that way, then you'll never have you never just be stuck in a rut and be down because you're going to be like, you can learn from it or you, it's an, another opportunity arises or so on. It's a million things that can happen from something negative. So just always turn negatives into positives. And e even with help, you know, like I said, I've been cooking my own meals for the last three and a half months. I've been, you know, taking a lot of supplements, um, boosting my, I actually, you know, I'm all, always on this immune system kick anyway because I'm on the road, so I can't get sick on the road. So I started boosting my immune system when I first started hearing about stuff going on in China. So I was probably a month ahead before everything shut down of boosting my immune system. So I've been boosting my immune system, been, been getting in good workouts. Me and my son been working out like a couple of days a week. Like I said, playing tennis again. So 
And, um, I think I gained some years back on my life because I'm not on the road. <laughs> I mean, facts, because I'm not on the road. I'm not drinking. I'm not partying. I'm getting good rests, you know. So all of that was is kind of a blessing, you know. And it's opened my eyes to, like I said, this DJing online is, is pretty crazy um, because it's like you can reach thousands and thousands of people, millions too. Like, I mean, the versus battle, I think, uh, I can't remember the numbers, but it was one point. I think it was one point eight million people clicked to see that versus battle with me and T Pain. So hundreds of thousands and millions of people were reaching that we never could have maybe done. Right. We never would have used these tools that we have like we're using them now. Right. Like you said, we're resilient people right. in general, but this was an opportunity to showcase that, and with the limited options of leisure activity, because things are shut down or, right. you know, closed, people have no choice but to be online. So right. I thought that was amazing and super creative. And what I respect so much about you, John, is you are masterful at reinventing and staying relevant, which people don't understand how difficult that is. Yeah. This society is so fickle and trend-focused, and you've been in the game for so long, and not just in the game, but highly coveted and requested with all your brand partnerships. So would you mind sharing how in the world do you do it, and what's the secret? Um, It's just, I don't know, man. I guess it's just in me, just in general, to stay ahead. And I think the way I move, period, I'm just always ahead of people. Like a lot of stuff that I do, I'm ahead. I'm months and weeks. Like if you look at my DJ sets right now, I'm ahead of every DJ out there. If you look at it, it feels like the club. It sounds like the club. Like, and the graphics that we're using is like what you would probably see on the screen if you were in the club. Like, it's another level. So I just, I just always pride myself on staying ahead, staying with a close ear to the street. Um, that's another thing you got to be up on and you got to be connected with the internet. The internet is the key to, to this shit also. It's like, if you're up on what's going on on the internet, you're always going to be up on what's going to be the next thing that happens, you know? So I've been like that forever since my space days, <laughs> maybe before, you know, I've just been on what's going on on the internet, what's going on on the internet, you know? So, yeah, so all of those things, is, I, I mean, yeah, what it's what it is. But yeah, it's super, yeah, people don't realize it's super hard because the older you get, the more you want to kind of chill and mm -hmm. relax mm -hmm. and go do this. And I don't, you know, stuff you would have done when you were younger, you're not like, ah, I ain't going You know, you know, you get lazier. And me, I just, I guess I just want to keep winning. I don't know. I just got that drive. And I'm never, that's never going to leave me. I'm going to always have drive. And, and it's all, and it's also when people doubt me is when I, it makes me work even harder. So that's always been, you know, something I use throughout my career uh, to motivate me to do, do stuff. Let's see, that reminds me of myself. And I know some people say don't use that as motivation, but it, it keeps me going just to prove something. Oh, you have to use that. That's why uh, God's giving it to you, because it's like you need that extra push sometimes, you know? Right. So since you're staying ahead of the game, I'm curious, do you have a TikTok too? I do have TikTok, but TikTok is not my bag, really. I've done a couple. Um, but, you know, for me, it's finding – that's another thing, too. Everybody can't do everything, you know? So you find the thing that works for you, 
you know. So I have TikTok. I posted some TikToks, but I'm not going to be on there dancing and shit. That's not, you know, people don't know me for dancing. So I, you ain't going to see that. But I'm going to post some funny shit, you know. I think I my latest TikTok I posted was, it's it's a TikTok going around where people are like going from the window to the wall in the house, basically saying they're in quarantine, ain't got nothing to do. So I thought it would be funny if I did that because me and you guys, boys, and Ying Yang twin songs. So of course I can do it. That's you. You made that up. So I thought people would get a kick out of it. So I did that and it got a lot of, a, a nice amount of views. You're being very humble right now. A nice amount of views. Okay. I appreciate that. So what were some of your most memorable projects or artists that you've worked with or things that you've done? Uh, I mean, shit, seems like it's so much. It's like damn near everything, <laughs> you know, like everything is memorable. Everything is like, cause I take everything serious, but I mean, of course, we're, everything I've done with Yin Yang because they helped, you know, me and them together, what we've done together helped to push us into a whole nother status for, I mean, get low. We're talking about TikToks. It's like, it's still going. It's, mm-hmm. it's two different TikToks of get low going around right now. So that's, you know, amazing to work with those guys and to just be able to go in and we just always make some good shit. Working with Ice Cube, because that was my idol. Um, I mean, I was a big NWA fan when I was growing up. Too Short, I was a big Too Short fan growing up, working with Too Short. Doing what I did with E40. I mean, it's so much. Working with Mob D, working with Nas and the Bravehearts, you know, because no Southern rappers weren't getting that type of respect and do a song with like Nas and to do a song with Mob D. How many Southern rappers can say they done that? So that's a, and Jada Kiss, you know, so I've worked with like some of the best or the best, you know, uh, hip hop rappers as well so like just all of that stuff it's so much i can go on and on and on now I'm, I'm curious like you mentioned the collaboration with southern artists which sometimes i feel like are underestimated there is a debate if you ask anyone about the origination of crump some people say miami my hometown memphis or atlanta so what can you help in this once and for all where did it start it's it's never gonna be ended because everybody's got their opinion but the word crump, we can start with the word crump. Okay. From as far as I know, I didn't, Atlanta niggas, I think, invented the word. That's my opinion. I'm not a historian by any way, but I only heard Atlanta niggas saying the word crump. What happened was when we, me and the Eastside Boys, were doing music, we were only making songs to get people crunk. So we said, we do crunk music. Okay. Memphis wasn't calling their music crunk. Memphis was buck. Memphis music was buck music. They got buck to it. That's the dance they did, you know? Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> Miami, I ain't ever heard Miami in the, the debate. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, it's mainly Memphis, Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And we do get crunk, or we did get crunk to Memphis stuff, 3-6 Mafia. Uh, also, Master P, that is in the equation. Um, mystical, we got crunk to all of that stuff, but nobody had coined the term 
crunk music until Lil Johnny Eastside Boys. Okay. So that's where it's a difference. We coined the term crunk music. We created the term crunk music. No one had ever said crunk music as a genre of music before us. So I guess that's just, there you go. That was excellent. I feel like I was in a, a, a class in college. This was very specific. I didn't realize it was crunk, buck, and basically you just threw Miami out the window. Well, Miami was doing Miami bass. Thank you very much. You know, Miami was in the bass game. Miami wasn't doing that rowdy shit like that, you know. The rowdy shit was, like I said, New Orleans and Memphis. And we had some – we was in the bass game, too, and we, we had some rowdy shit, too. But, you know – um, I think we, we're definitely influenced by Memphis. We're definitely influenced by, like, Master P because that was running the clubs, too. But we did – ours is different. You know, a Lil John Eastside Boys song doesn't sound exactly like a 3-6 Mafia song. We, we are different individuals, but we give you the same type of energy, you know. I love it. Well, you, you answered my question. I, I, I got a lesson. It's all good. It's all good talked about the obvious your um, wild success and entertainment and music but what's not highlighted as much is your philanthropy I know you do a lot locally and also some work in Ghana so can you talk a little bit about that yeah I work with uh, Pencils of Promise um, I've been working with them for a long time now and um, I uh, was really inspired one year I went to their gala and saw a million dollars raised before my eyes. Like while I'm sitting in the room, I saw all this money being raised and people were also telling the stories of how they, uh, the people that they honored at the gala was talking about the schools that they had built and so on and so forth. So I got inspired to, I want to build some schools too. I want to build like two schools. After that, we, we created some campaigns and I gave, put up a bunch of money and, we're able to raise enough money to build two schools in Ghana. Wow. Um, and I was fortunate to also go on a trip to Ghana to see how Pencils of Promise, um, how they go about building the schools with the community, the curriculums, every aspect of the school. So that was awesome to see that and to be a part of it, to see the villagers. Like what, what Pencils of Promise does, they give you, um, everything but like 30%, right? So that's the 30% could be labor. It could be some materials you need. And that's because when they have to provide that 30%, they're invested into that school now, you know. Uh, it's not just like they got it for free. They're going to just, you know, eventually take it for granted. No, they – so I went into some of the communities. They were literally building the school. They were making their own concrete mix. I saw the women – Go to this job site, grab, they were digging up sand, putting it in big bowls, bringing it to the site, dumping it. The, the men were taking the sand. Somebody would go get water from the, the river or whatever, bring water back, mix the sand, water, and the, the government had given them concrete, so they had concrete. So they were mixing all that, all that together, and they were making their own cement blocks. Like someone would take that mixture, put it in the cement blocks, let it set, then they go set that aside, let it dry. It dries too many blocks. I saw people taking those to the school and putting them into the school. So, yeah, Pencils of Promise is an amazing charity. And it's great to do something 
Whereas like that school could be there 50 years, 70 years, you know, and the children that are able to have a great learning environment because I went to also at the same time, I went to some schools that um, did not have a facility built yet. So like I saw these kids, they were going to school under a big tree, you know, so if it rains, class is over or it's, this is Africa, it's extremely hot or animals could be walking by the distraction. So it's great to be able to create, um, to help to create an environment where children can adequately learn. Right. Um, so, because yeah, you know, who knows what one of, one of those kids or hundreds of those kids could be later in life. So that's amazing. And then just working with other different charities for various different things. Uh-huh. When I was on a celebrity apprentice, I worked with the American Diabetes Association my mom had diabetes, so I was I was there fighting for that charity. Just numerous other charities. I don't really have my own foundation yet because I haven't really pinned down what I want to focus on. Okay. So for now, I'm just, you know, helping different charities here and there. Awesome. I didn't realize you were so hands-on with the actual construction and went over there. Well, I just did a little bit. I didn't build a whole school. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, we just helped a little bit. I, you know, I made some concrete blocks and dug up some sand. You know. But still, you I mean, some people, you know, attach their name to something. You went out to see where your do- donation is yeah. fruitful. So that's amazing. I know you did some work with COVID-19. I think there was like a charity music festival. Oh, yeah, we did... Um, uh, COVID, me and Bronk, we played Madden, you know, to bring, you know, to help to raise money for the charities that would benefit the uh, frontline workers and so on and so forth. So that was a great opportunity as well. You do so much, you, you forgot all the stuff you did. I mean, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> but yeah, that was a great opportunity. Thanks, you know, shout out to those guys over there. Just trying to help as much as we can where we can. Now, obviously, you're an artist and a producer. So what are some of the rituals? What do you go through or tell yourself prior to being in producer mode versus artist mode? Yeah, it's, it's actually, that's actually a thing. Like people don't understand it. Like I have to prepare myself to go to get on stage or I have to prepare myself like, okay, let me step out of artist mode and get into producer mode. It's a different kind of focus because I'm focusing on different things, but I literally have to just detach and then reconnect in over here. So that's definitely what I do. Yeah, because I, I, I have so many hats and uh-huh. can't just be the same at all times. You got to focus on one thing at a time. You know, like say if I'm producing a song and they, you know, I want to get on it too. I'm going to worry about producing the artist and the track and getting that right. Then I'll go do my artist stuff on the track later, you know, when I can just pay attention to that part. So So that's also a part of why he's been so successful. Being able to disconnect and realize, okay, I need to be strategic on this aspect and remove myself and be there. Okay. Right. So can you share any projects that you're working on that we should be excited about? Well, uh, Ludacris hit upon it uh, this weekend, said, you know, we've been working on you know, me, him, and Luda, I mean, yeah, me, Usher, and Luda, Usher, John, and Luda album. That's what I want to call it, Usher, John, and Luda, because it's simple. Keep it simple. <laughs> so we've been doing, we are actually just talking a little while ago. We got about six songs for that. So it's just figuring that out and dropping that. We have the sex beat video coming in the next week. 
think people are going to be like, holy shit, okay, this is some sexy shit. This fits the vibe of the song totally. So that's coming in and production, Lil John production. Um, and I'm just, you know, more DJ sets because, I mean, I'm really diving into this online DJing shit because, like, clubs are not going to be the same for a long time, and especially for, like, like the the bigger name DJs and the bigger name artists, we're not going to be able to be in front of people. Right. You know, the clubs don't have the budgets. They're going to say they lost all of this money and they lost a lot of money because they haven't been open and they're going to build this shit back up. So it's going to take time for that to come back. So if I can give people a great time from my house, but they still feel like they're at the club, I think that's an awesome experience. So. Right. So that's mainly, you know, that's all the stuff I'm working on right now. That's a lot. And I thought it was funny when you mentioned, I forgot what set you were doing that you haven't drunk in a while. So it only took you a couple of shots. You were messed, not messed up, but you were more tipsy than you thought you would be. Was that last week? Well, last week I drank a lot really quick because I was drinking big gulps. You know what I mean? So, oh shit, I'm drunk as fuck. Uh, But it's crazy that, what what bugs me out is that I can have fun with people on the internet. It's nobody, you know, like it's, I can have that much fun and I'm by myself. Like I'm like really just here and I'm reading comments and I'm playing music and I, I don't know how, but I can feel that, you know, interaction with the people and the energy from the people, but they're not even nobody there with me. So it's, that's awesome. Like, cause that was the main thing I always felt about DJing online is like, yeah, I'm a crowd. I get the you know, energy from the crowd, but, it's like crazy. I can, you know, I still get hyped up and I can tell the people, I guess because they can, they give you emoji, they give you fire, they give you the dancing so you can get what the vibe is, how you're doing by the emojis that are popping up on the screen. So I guess that gives me a vibe and gets me into it more because I can see that they're into it. So, yeah. I'm happy you mentioned that because I didn't think that you all paid attention to what we were typing because I see all the hearts and the emojis. So I'm thinking, why waste my time? But now I'm going to contribute. Yeah, no, we really pay attention. And like I comment on certain things here and there and I'm going to start doing I I did a set for MCM and we gave away stuff throughout the set. I think I'm going to do that, start doing that on my set, start just picking people. Somebody that strikes me, I'm going to send you a hoodie or some shit. I don't know. Oh, cool. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's actually really fun. And I heard that Diplo said the same thing. Like, he's having a really good time doing the online DJ. He likes it, like, a little more than the club. And I, I kind of like it in another way than the club, too, because I don't have to be programmed. I can do whatever I want to do. And if you don't like it, then you can leave you know what I mean? Because it doesn't really matter because it's the internet. Like, you're not paying to get in. Right. And you leaving is not going to affect what the club owner says to me, you know, so I can do what I want to do. But, like, with my sets, I'm trying to hit things that I'm not seeing. I see a lot of people playing old school music, a lot of people playing New York shit, but nobody ain't catering to a South nigga. So that's why all of my sets pretty much have been catering to Atlanta and the South shit. So... I'm going to continue to do that. More reggae sets come in. I might do an open format set or two, but a lot of South shit and, yeah, another dance off set because my dance off set went crazy when I did that. So I'm excited for you representing for the Southern region. Yeah. What are your thoughts, though, John? Because you, you obviously have a big enough profile and 
clout to demand fees and rates that say a local DJ doesn't. And a lot of them are putting their cash app or Venmo online. Do you think some people say that it's tacky? Other people say that. I think it's fine. I mean, shit, nobody's working. What the fuck? You don't know how much money these guys got saved up. You don't know what, how much money they got to have going out. So if people want to tip them, why not? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, and all of the uh, places where you can DJ online, Twitch, Facebook, everywhere except Instagram are making it where you can monetize. You can get paid, mm-hmm. you know, so let them get paid. It's going to turn, it's, that's exactly what it's going to turn into. It's the, it's the next nightclub and it's a way you can actually get paid. Right. You know, so I think if people like your shit, let them tip you. I'm not doing that because I don't think I should, you know, that's, I'm in a different place. So no, but you know, it's it, it, putting somebody else go right ahead. I don't have a problem. With it. But big name DJs, no. Thank you. See, you explain things so well. You should do like a junk professorship <laughs> injury or something. I don't know. Or Spelman and Morehouse. Anyway. Okay. John, this part is called my fire round. So I'm just going to ask you some questions and you spit out the first thing that comes to mind. All right. What's the last thing that you ordered on Amazon? Uh, first thing that comes to mind is some sauces. I'm, I'm a super cook. No, actually, I ordered some... I just used it. Some sauce, like some gourmet, like I, I use, I just used a gourmet roasted garlic salt. Okay. So salt, so it's different salts, like seasonings. Like like a salt shaker. Yeah. Ah, that's funny. No, <laughs> seasoning. So different, uh, some seasoning stuff. Yeah. Okay. As a subject matter expert, in grills. I've actually been in the market for two years, but too afraid to pull the trigger. But I wanted something fun for the weekend. What do you think would be best for me? You should just get like, some people just get a little lower clay, lower, lower teeth, open face, like open face. Girls look cool with open face grills, like just the out, you know, like the outline and then you can see your teeth. But and not like a whole grill, like, like, Three or four teeth, you know what I mean? On the bottom. Like at the top of the bottom. Yeah, like the bottom. Because I wanted to do something stone encrusted that was cute, but still gave me some edge. Or do your uh, your fangs, like oh. just those. Okay. Those would be cool, like some diamonds and shit. Okay. People are also doing, like, I think they're doing diamonds right on the teeth now, right? Haven't you seen that? I've seen so much, but I know you're the... SME of this and I yeah some open face shit okay probably be cool because it ain't too flashy but it still give you the effect okay I love it what is your favorite word yeah (laughs) I mean that's propped in my head John that was so mellow hey hey, we're chilling I got a tennis racket in my hand it's gloomy outside so (laughs) we're just gonna go with yeah all right what would you attempt to do if you had a 100% chance of succeeding? Uh, drop some new music right now. Which you're already doing. Yeah, but Lil John, just Lil John shit. Okay. So if I had a 100% chance of succeeding with what I have in the lab, like in the back right now, I would drop that. Because I got a bunch of stuff that's not finished, but okay. I need to finish it and, you know, whatever, whatever, so... What would you like your legacy to be? 
that I made people have fun, get out of their comfort zones, forget about all the issues in life, in the life that's going on and just let loose and just be free and positive and, you know, have a great time. You've already achieved that. So I guess you've reached the mountaintop. <laughs> I think, I mean, I have a playlist to, to get dressed when I'm going to meetings and Eastside boys will drop, like it's insane how I'll be going to the most vanilla boring meeting and it just gets me in this mood i'm sure you hear that all the time so i love it i haven't heard about going to meetings but i i have heard <laughs> different people say certain songs get them pumped ready to go for the day but get ready to work they, i get them through their workouts all kind of stuff like that so that's that's awesome and what would you tell the younger john 20 years ago 20 years ago keep doing what you're doing but maybe save, invest money, invest me. Because some stuff, like if I would have invested in Amazon, but I, I, I've been an Amazon member since like 03. I looked at my account. So I've been, I used to order my son's toys from Amazon because I, I didn't, I used to order from Toys R Us online and I ordered from Amazon because certain toys you couldn't get, they had on Amazon. So I learned online shopping way back because I didn't want to be in the store fighting for them toys. You know, I remember when people were fighting over shit. So I was like, I found that. So um, I think, yeah, investing is number one thing I would have told myself. Investing and just be on top of your shit a little bit more. Because every celebrity goes through somebody fucking up some of your money, you know. Um, but definitely, number one, investing. Investing in stuff that you use a lot or that you foresee yourself using a lot. Like Facebook. I remember Facebook when it was just a college thing. Yeah. Like I remember you had to have an ED, EDU address to use Facebook. Email address. Right. You know, so like I seen all that shit early on. I wish I would have known all of investing. You mentioned Amazon because now obviously it's. Like $200 a, uh, a share. Right. If I had the foresight and the capital back then to buy the stock. Uber. Imagine if you invested in Uber or even Lyft. Right. It's just, but I feel like obviously looking back, hindsight's twenty twenty. there are things right now that I'm trying to apply that same logic. What's solving a problem? And typically it's during a crisis like now. So. Right. I was trying to get Instacart stock, but Instacart isn't a publicly traded company. People are going to just, people are going to not go to the store as much. Now people are like, I'm not going to ever go to the grocery store again. I used to like going to the grocery store. I love going to the grocery store, walking down the aisles and looking at different, just, I just, I don't know why, I guess it's just cause I'm just doing something regular and it's, it's a time, you know what I mean? Nobody fuck with me where I live and when I go to the grocery store, but now I order all my shit through Instacart and I can go Costco, right. I can go Publix, all of that shit under the same one, you know what I mean? And Amazon, I can get Whole Foods, so. I don't even need to go to the grocery store no more. So, like, yeah, shit is going to change. Like, now, so much, anything delivery-related is going to fucking be, it's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. We're going to get back to normal, but people are not just going to do what they used to do. Like, movie theaters are probably going to go away. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's going to be one theater every goddamn 20 miles or some stupid shit, because, you know, it's, people rather just stay at home now. Right. That's what I was telling my brother. I've been on Instacart and Amazon now and online shopping with groceries since before the pandemic. But like you said, this forces people to 
realize what's essential and what's not. So I never like right. physically going down the aisles. But like you said, for you, it's something, a sense of normalcy. For me, it was... Right, exactly. But I think Zoom, obviously, is blowing up. Yeah. Anything with convenience where there's social distancing is going to be the next big thing. So in 10 years, if we're watching this, yeah. I don't want to say I wish I would have invested. I want to be out laying on the beach. Yeah, like Zoom, I think I read something about them. Their shit was like nothing if like three months ago. And then yet yeah, now you can't even, it's probably like $200 a share too or some shit. They're killing it. So, John, and lastly, of course, not that people don't already know, but just because I want to ask you, how can people find you online and get in contact with you? Uh, just any platform is L I L J O N. L-I-L-J-O-N. No H in my name, ladies and gentlemen. So that's where you find me. Can't get more simple than that. Yeah. John, this was super cool, chill. I learned more about the racket. You're going to be investor extraordinaire. I'm looking forward to seeing the Sex Me video. Sex Beat. Sex Beat. Sex Beat. Okay. Yeah, Sex Beat. The song Sex Beat that we premiered on Versus and then we ended up releasing a week later which doesn't happen, just so you know. Um, yeah, the video is shot. We all individually shot parts at our homes, and we had different models and, you know, girls shoot different stuff. The director shot them in some places, and it's going to be a really cool, unique, sexy video. I can't wait. So that's like in the next, you said, week or two? Yeah, next. Yeah, the next 10 days, definitely. Okay. Thank you again, John. I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. All right, cool. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you guys so much for checking out today's episode of Brit Happens. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, or Google. You can also find me online at www.brithappens.com and on social media, Instagram or Facebook at Brittany Sharpton. See you next time.